I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it back. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we are here with a Hull update uh, from Peter, our uh, correspondent for all things Hull, of course, from HCAFC Tigerlink, so be sure to go check it out over there. Uh, Peter, some positive signs uh, from Hull City of late. Uh, not least, uh, importantly, which is even though you didn't go through, you did beat Manchester United in the second leg of your EFL Cup tie. Why don't you talk us through that match a little bit? Yeah, uh, a wonderful win. I was actually present when in 1974 we last beat Manchester United, which, believe it or not, was when Manchester United were in the second tier in the old second <laughs> division and we beat them 2-0 at the old Boofery Park in Hull. So it's been a long, long wait, and it was very much worth it. I think we performed very well in the, the second leg, and it was wonderful to, be, to beat them. We did get a very fortunate penalty. But I think if you asked the neutral what they thought of the game, they would say that Manchester United underperformed, and we played particularly well and deserved the victory on the night. You can, of course, argue that it was meaningless, because we didn't get through to Wembley. And of course, that was disappointing. But I think it was a massive boost to the confidence of the players involved, because I think if you're building a new side, as Marco Silva is, and you go out and beat Manchester United under any circumstances, I believe that has to be really positive in terms of providing motivation and confidence. And very good that um, 
Umar Nayas got a goal, which was a quality goal, I felt. I felt. Uh, Markovic was involved, the new Serbian loan signing from Liverpool, uh, crossed, um, sorry, passed the ball at an angle, the far side of the penalty area, and it was crossed by David Myler and finished by Nias. Um, absolutely wonderful to see a goal like that, and it turned out to be the winning goal. It, it was a good team goal, and the sort of goal we've been wanting to see for a long time. So, a huge positive in terms of that performance. And yes, disappointment that we didn't get to Wembley, but we go to Wembley all the time, whole city playoff finals, FA Cup finals. We're used to it. We didn't go for 100 years, then we go all the time. Uh, and then, of course, we have the contrast that in the dear old FA Cup, we go to Fulham and take a real beating on a day when we just didn't turn up and perform. But I think there may have been more to that than meets the eye. And um, I think sides in our position, we aren't the only side to go out in the FA Cup. And I think to some extent it's a reflection on the FA Cup that particularly sides who are faced with relegation maybe don't take it too seriously. It doesn't become a big priority. If you manage to get through and you get through to maybe the last eight or the last 16, then yes, you do maybe feel your strongest side. But I didn't think the side were really up for it on Sunday when we lost at Fulham. So contrasting fortunes in the cup competitions, Mm. but overall a positive time for Hull City. And obviously key game tonight against Manchester United. And we're hoping that we can (laughs) take that form that we showed in the EFL Cup and reproduce some of it tonight at Old Trafford yeah definitely best of luck with that um speaking of best wishes Ryan Mason suffered a very scary injury uh it seemed like the whole footballing world immediately had a lot of sympathy for him as a Spurs fan um from his time with us definitely was very worried uh what's his current situation yeah he's actually issued a statement which I don't I I won't have the full I don't have the full statement with me at the moment but basically he's very sensibly putting the focus on taking it one day at a time and his focus being completely on getting himself better. It's, you know, he's paid tremendous tributes in in a wonderful statement to all the fans of clubs all around the country and all around the UK and the world who have, you know, sent him good wishes. He's also paid great tribute to the staff at Hull City, all the medical staff who were present on the day at Chelsea and particularly all the people, the, the, the surgeons and the staff of St. Mary's Hospital in London. And I think it's been a highly emotional time for him. Obviously, you know, some things are bigger than football. And I think it's been very important for him because there is no doubt it was a serious injury. There were some disturbing headlines made in some of the tabloids. And it would be too far to say he was close to death. But certainly it was a very, very serious injury, the like of which we don't often see in football. I think basically he has recovered from the surgery or the treatment he had in hospital. But I think to some extent, as I understand it, it's how you then deal with the coming weeks in terms of how quickly and how well you make a full recovery in that I think he he could be his own worst enemy. He's got to be very disciplined and take it very, very gently for a long time, both mentally and physically. 
And I think he can, if he can do that and have a very key, low-key life for a few months, then we could see him back playing as early as August, September. But I don't think anyone wants to think about that at the moment. The big thing is it, it sort of captured the hearts of the football family in this country and indeed in other parts of the world. And I think everybody who plays football, who watches football, particularly fans of Hull City and Spurs, but others as well, can really sort of relate to it. It's it's a real sobering event on the football field. And uh, obviously, as a Hull City fan, I'm absolutely delighted for Ryan and just want to see him. First of all, I want to see him get well. If he can continue to play football, then that's a bonus. And I think that's the best way to look at it at the moment. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well wishes out to him. Um in more recent uh, news, yesterday was deadline day as we're recording this. And uh, even though I was covering, I still missed some of Hull's moves. It seems like you guys just wait till deadline day and then it all comes comes tumbling in. Uh, why don't you just talk us through some of the signings and how you think they'll fit into your squad? Yes, I think, first of all, I want to say we don't deliberately at Hull City try to be the sort of drama queens of the Premier League. But it seems to me that we do leave it late and there always seems to be something going on after midnight, even on deadline day at the training ground in, in, in Cottingham near Hull. Um, if I can start at the end in a, a not very logical way, we were trying to sign on deadline day as it moved towards the actual deadline at 11 o'clock. Um, a player called Yanis Salibar who plays for Gwynkamp in, in France. And as I understand it, all the paperwork went through, but it was one of these situations where it wasn't processed by the FA. So Mr. Salibur's arrival at Hull City and the circumstances of his arrival are unclear. Indeed, has he actually arrived? I think the answer to that is no, he hasn't. And we would have to win the appeal that we have recently lodged. I would hope that appeal would be successful. But of course, we don't know the exact circumstances. So hopefully, Salibar, a French midfielder coming in. Moving on to the sort of definite, uh, a player that will be known to quite a few football fans is Andrea Ranocchia, defender from Inter Milan in Italy, who's come to us on loan for the rest of the season. And I think he was captain of Inter Milan for a time during their uh, Champions League campaigns and has several international caps. The interesting one, the interesting arrival, is a guy called Camille Grosicki, a winger from Rennes, who's a Polish international. We've thought to have paid around £7 million for him. But our dear friends, the owners, are being a little bit cloak and dagger about how much they've actually spent. So that isn't absolutely clear. But we think we actually paid a fee there for seven, £7 million. Pound. But uh, uh, Kamil Gosicki is an established Polish international footballer. Exciting prospect. Bit of a temperament. And looking forward to seeing him. We also signed Alfred, Alfred Ndai, midfielder from Villarreal. Uh, Senegalese player and uh, probably it's hoped that he'll link up with his fellow Senegal Senegal uh, player Umar Nayas who of course we, we took on loan from Everton 
not so long ago. So of those I've mentioned, we need to add in Omar Elabeladoui uh, from Norway, which brings our contingent of Norwegians to three. Mm. And uh, the, the permanent signing, quietly, for 3.5 million of Marcus Hendrickson, who's currently injured. We also brought in Evandro from Porto, Brazilian player and midfielder who scored in the FA Cup defeat at Fulham. And uh, Lazar Markovic, who uh, is a Serbian who arrived at Liverpool for a lot of money, I think 15, 20 million pounds some time ago, and has already figured, I've already mentioned him tonight, and he's on loan with us. So that's quite a lot of traffic through the KCOM entrance door. Uh, just a brief mention of those that have gone out. People will be aware of Jake Livermore's £10 million move to West Brom and Robert Snodgrass's £10.2 million to West Ham eventually, after interest from quite a few clubs. Uh, international goalkeeper Alan McGregor has gone out on loan to Cardiff. And Alex Bruce, Steve's son, uh, who has been a tremendous servant for Hull City, actually. He's very popular and has never let us down, has actually gone out on loan to Wigan with um, young Manchester United fullback that was, who came to us, James Weir. And they'll be linking up with the manager there at Wigan, who is Warren Joyce, who is a former Hull City manager and well-known to, obviously, Mike Fielding and Steve Bruce. So there's a connection there. Uh, a couple of youngsters went out, Blackstone to Notts County and Rory Watson to Scunthorpe. And a couple of lads, Jonathan Edwards and Harvey Rogers to Accrington. So a very busy time at the KCOM. That's about it all, uh, about all. Uh, but uh, it's a question of working out how many nationalities we have now and who's going to play where. Um, I've seen the team news for tonight's game at Manchester United. And it looks as if the immediate new arrivals are either not playing or on the bench I understand that Andrea Ranocchio is actually on the bench tonight. And uh, we've only got the uh, the likes of Ivandro and Markovic actually in the, the starting lineup. And of course, they, they arrived at the, the club a few days ago. So those who actually flew in, if you like, on transfer day quite reasonably aren't in the starting 11 tonight, as you might expect. And it looks like he's playing. A fairly defensive lineup with Nias up front and uh, Markovic and Josh Tynan as wide men. So very exciting for us at the moment. Cynics will say that what we've done with the departure of Livermore and Snodgrass is start a process which you see often with sides that are heading for relegation, where they start to scale down the quality of their side. And there are a lot of Hull City fans very frustrated at the moment. I'm not going to talk, talk a lot about our owners tonight, but just simply to mention that the crowd was only 16,000 for the FA Cup semi-final. And that is a reflection not of the price of getting in or of a lack of interest in the semi-final against Manchester United, but it was a reflection of two things. The fact that it was freezing cold on the night and that a lot of people have simply refused to watch their team however devoted they are, until our owners leave. Mm. And a brief word on that, a lot of people will not be able to imagine a situation where you feel so passionately against your owners, you don't go and watch your own football team. Yeah. It's not something that's happened quickly, 
But when you get three years like we've had, believe me, it can happen. <laughs> so don't ever say it won't happen to you. It's a dangerous thing to say. Right. Um, you did mention a, a lot of players there. Are there any that you think are going to break the starting 11 that we should really uh, pay attention to as neutrals? Yeah, as neutrals, I think I think you're going to see a lot of Ranocchia because Curtis Davis, one of our established players, will be well known to uh, to many neutrals, long-serving player. He's out for eight weeks with a hamstring injury. And fellow centre-backs Michael Dawson and Harry Maguire are carrying injuries at the moment. So I could see Ranocchia coming in immediately, probably get some pitch time tonight and playing regularly for us. I think... Camille Grostiki, the the Polish winger stroke striker, will be played. I think he is the man that has been selected to provide the flair to get the goals, be it himself or for the likes of Mias and Hernandez and others, to keep us in the Premier League. And I, as I say, I believe Alfred Ndai from Villarreal, midfielder, he'll be playing a lot. Uh, I think his experience will be vital to us on the run-in. Markovic, I think, has not endeared himself totally to Hull City fans already because he's been a little bit lazy in games, but maybe that's just his style. Ivandro yeah. scored a good goal at Fulham. Nias looks like playing a lot. And Ella Belloui, uh, the Norwegian I think we'll play quite a bit. But I think you will be seeing Ranocchia and Grisiki regularly in the side and fairly regularly and I. And I think Grisiki will be a very interesting player because he's a, I think he's got a bit of a temperament and I think he's got great ability. And I think if he can keep his self-discipline and uh, not lose his temper and keep himself on the, on the pitch, uh, and not get kicked too much and wound up. I think he's a very exciting and creative player. He's got great pace. And I, and I think, like so many fans, it's always good to see a player with pace. So we're looking forward to seeing that pace because it's something we really need. And, well, what side doesn't? So Camille Grosicki, look out for him. Mm. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, do that. Uh, Marco Silva, your new manager. Seems to have already been working miracles. Uh, how impressed have you been with him already? Yeah, I think everybody has been very impressed with Marco Silva. Um, we've won three home games in a row, albeit in different competitions. And for Hull City to do that under the present circumstances is quite an achievement in itself. <clears throat> and obviously, when you do win games at home, it does endear a manager to, to fans. Plus, I think they like the fact that he's cool. They like the fact that he plays decent football so far. Okay, you know, we... At times, we lacked a little bit of quality against Manchester United, but we kept the ball pretty well. And the possession stats were quite amazing at one stage. We were dominant, dominating possession, which was something we really didn't envisage. So... It's a very different type of game to the one we used to with Steve Bruce. And regardless of what's happening off the pitch, I think the fans are totally, as always, behind the players, which they always are, and totally behind the manager. I think he'll be given every chance. I think the re just to qualify that, I think there's an element of regret 
because this sort of organisation and planning and the players in and out that we've had in January is the sort of thing that, regardless of the manager, we would w- wanted to see in the close season in June and July. And the overall opinion, I think, of City fans is that we're playing catch-up. There's only 15, 16 games left or whatever. And has he got time to actually build and knit together a side that can avoid relegation? The early signs are very positive and very encouraging for fans. But overall, I think it's this business of the, the little bit of regret. That's nothing against Mike Phelan, who did pretty well. But I think there's a feeling that shouldn't there have been this sort of movement in of players a lot sooner. We brought in what appears to be additional quality. Yes, we've lost Livermore and Snodgrass. Yes, there could be a scaling down in quality, but will these players have time to settle and become part of the Marco Silva side? Or might we just miss out on staying up and people say, if Marco had come in November, we'd have stayed up. And that's the sort of discussions that Hull City fans are involved in at the moment. But I think the home form will be crucial. It's clear that Marco Silva has shown that he can energise a team. I'll say energise rather than the current galvanise, which seems to be the most common expression. And I think home performances, fans will be going to home games expecting us to be anybody, whoever it is at home, and with a certain amount of confidence. The situation we find ourselves in is one where, looking at the table and looking at our fixtures, we probably have to win five home games at least and probably a couple of away, ga- away games and then two or three draws in order to stay up. And I think that's where the focus will be. It does have to be a little bit fortress KCOM. I think the home form will determine it. I think Silva knows that and I think that's where the emphasis will be. It isn't a contradiction to say that we need a little bit of improvement in our away form. Because basically, I think we've lost nine in a row away from home. So all I'm saying is that the points need to be at home in the main, but just the odd win and a few draws away from home will change us considerably. Mm. And I think that's, you know, those two things need to happen. Home games need to be won, and we need to just pick up bits of points away from home then we have a real chance of staying up. It's a huge challenge, but he seems up for it. And I think he will give it a full go and he'll have the full backing of the fans. And we're hoping as Hull City fans that despite all the pressure and all the hassle with our owners, we can actually enjoy our time in the Premier League. Uh, if it is to be our last season for a little while, then you know let's really enjoy it and give it one hell of a good go. Mm, fair enough. Well, we'll definitely be rooting for you. Uh, that does us for time, though, so why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, we are a Hull City social media organization called TigerLink. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and at www.tigerlink.co.uk. Many thanks for having us on the program. Yep, pleasure as always.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.